Uh, this year is on the topic of chinuch, of education, and is um, specifically, uh, more specifically about Hanukkah. Because next week there's no shir, it's Hanukkah. The week after that there will be a shir. Because we're off next week, and we'll get together a week later. This shir is dedicated by the family by his family to the memory of Dr. Chuck Feldman, on the occasion of the sixth Yorkshire, the 26th of Kislev. I know that Dr. Feldman was especially interested in, uh, in education. Uh, he was very involved in the local schools, the Jewish schools, and he uh, always tried to achieve, to help them achieve uh, necessary level of excellence and it's part of the memory that I have of Dr. Feldman so I'm happy to be able to give this shiur. Now the beginning of the parasha of Ayeshev, Ayeshev is connected to Hanukkah. It always comes out on Hanukkah either a few days before or a few days after but it's always it's always Vayeshev. Now the first thing that we learn in Vayeshev is about the relationship between Yaakov and his sons. And it is actually a remarkable relationship. Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Begurei Aviv Be'eretz Kenan. Introductory. Right? Yaakov was living in Kenan. Eile Toldot Yaakov Yosef, everybody knows there's a question. How could you say that Toldot, the generations of Yaakov, start with Yosef? After all, Yosef was not his oldest son. But there's really another story here, that, that, that somehow what happened to Yaakov from this point on is connected to Yosef. It's like reverse. It's not that Yosef was the son of Yaakov, but at least according to Rashi, that the history, the continuing history of Yaakov is controlled by Yosef. Yosef becomes the most important of his sons. So Yosef is ben Bad relationship, right, between Yosef and the children of the of the shvachot of the uh, uh, maids who married Yaakov. And Yosef became like, you know, he tattled on them. He tattled on them. Rashi says, based on the Gemara, that they did, they were really serious, they wrote, that we're talking about. But in terms of the relationships, in terms of the relationship you see, uh, it's very hard to, to see how tattling on your brothers could lead to a good relationship, even if even if there's a halachic justification, right? You know, like sometimes you have to, you have to, tochacha uh, is after all a mitzvah in the Torah. If you see somebody doing something wrong, you have to make him aware, him or her aware of the fact that they're doing something wrong. But that doesn't usually mean that it be, you become beloved. You know, like people, very rare is a person that say, oh, thank you from helping me avoid some Isidoraisa, which I was about to commit, you know, I'm so happy. Usually, you're not so happy. People like to think of themselves as doing the right thing, generally. And uh, so, in any event, here's Yosef, he's not in trouble. He's in some trouble with his brothers. And then, Pasuk Gimel, Yisrael ahabit Yosef hu, that's what the that's the 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 pasuk. If you look at Rashi at the bottom, sort of towards the bottom of the column, Ben Sukunim, So Ben Sukunim could mean he was the child of his old age. You know, he was older. He had a, a son, Yosef. The uncle is tear game. I guess, you know, Rashi says, Uncleus game. after he explains it, he means that um, he's not satisfied, right? What's something more, 
Hormidi here, Barchakim Hulei, Ben Skunim, that Yaakov recognized something in Yosef, according to Unkelos, he was a Barchakim, a son, a smart one. He was, he was a clever, clever fellow. Uh, so Rashi is writing a different narrative, right? According to the Chumash, Rashi himself, the simple pshat, why did he like Yosef? Because Yosef was his youngest son, was a young son, Ben Zikunim. He was born when Yaakov was older. Okay, I don't know too much about that. But then Rashi writes a different narrative based on Unculus. And he says that Yosef was the son who wanted to learn Torah. He was the son to whom he could pass the, uh, the Torah on to. And so we have like the, the, like the two stories. One is kind of, he liked Yosef for some less important reason, or he liked Yosef for some very important reason. That's what, that's what the, the, the Rashi says. And then, Rashi says, That when you looked at Yosef, you saw Yaakov. When you looked at Yaakov, you saw Yosef. So that was like good. That was very good because uh, whatever the reason is, I mean, you could you could fill it in, you could fill it in yourself. But but pasuk Kimmel says, "V'Yisrael ha'avid Yosef b'kolbon avkivain skunim va'asalo ketonet pasim." So it's hard to know about ketonet. What is a ketonet pasim? But we have we assume that it was a special coat. It wasn't a regular coat. It wasn't that Yosef wore out his coat and he needed another one, so you got him one, which is exactly the same thing you would do for any of the children. It just happened to be that Yosef's coat was torn and tattered. tattered. But it was rather that Yaakov wanted to distinguish Yosef. He wanted to express his love for Yosef in a way that everybody saw it clearly. So what did he do? He gave him a coat that lit up in the dark. You know, can you imagine that? Like it's like going on and off. It's like uh, uh, one, of those, one of those lights that you put up on storefronts. But lighting up, lighting up as though it says all the time, it says, Yosef, I, Yaakov, I really love you. And I love you the way that is not applicable to any of your brothers. That's what he says. So now, I think that today, today if you would go to, uh, uh, somebody would go to parental counseling, I don't think there is such a thing, but I imagine that there is this counseling for everything. So if you go to parental counseling, uh, you say, I have a, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I mean, all I do is give all these gifts to one of my kids, and the other kids are annoyed about it. Can you, can you think that there might be a problem? They say, oh, yeah, there might be a problem. Maybe you should divide up the gifts amongst all the children. I mean, Yaakov is presented to us in the simple chat of the Pesach as a totally incompetent father, especially if you base it on the fact, if you connect it to the fact that he, Yaakov himself, grew up in a kind of an unstable environment, you know, where the father, his father, and his mother disagreed about who they should love, which of their sons they should love. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Even though I don't know anything about this subject, you could, of course, consult with Miriam afterwards. I don't know anything about it, but I imagine, imagine if you have a bunch of children, you should not treat one in a unique manner as Yaakov did. But it's not just my imagining that comes to bear here. If you look at the third page, if you look at the third page, there's a lot of, a lot of print out here. Uh, if you look at the third page, you see at the top of the page, Breshit Rabbah, Parashat Peitalet Siman Chayt. Breshit Rabbah is a Medrash, right? The Medrash on Breshit. 
uh, which is largely written or entirely written by Tanaim. Tanaim are people of, uh, of great uh, seriousness and we accept generally that they were uh, the providers of the chain of Torah learning that started with Moshe Rabbeinu. So we, we take it very seriously when a Tana says something. So it says in the Pasuk, it's Ahabit Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Nechemia. Right? That's the, the, the way it is also in the Gemara and the way it is in the, the Medrash. Generally, they introduce the, the characters who are going to say something before they actually say something. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Sheaziv Ikunin Shelo Domelo. Domelo. So he, he says that why did Yaakov love Yosef? Because every time Yaakov looked at Yosef, he saw Yaakov. I guess that means that the, there was a continuation, that there was a future, that you know, maybe the other brothers looked like a bunch of shkotzim, you know, but Yosef, he looks like, looked like a traditional judge. After all, Esau was probably big and strong and healthy because he was out there hunting and trapping, whereas Yaakov was, you know, sitting around in, uh, in yeshiva all day long, so he didn't have any color in his face, you know, and he didn't eat much, and he really looked like a 90-pound weakling, and uh, so he came from that kind of family. So he said, he said, Zivi kunin shelo domelo, the, the, uh, well, it, uh, ikunin is the word icon, whatever it means in this particular, like a, like a figure. Ziv is the glow of something. So you could take that more seriously or less seriously, we'll see that it might come up again as being something important. Rabbi Nechem Ya'amar, Shekol halachot shemasru sheim ve'evel Yaakov misaradlo. So this is, we saw this in Rashi that Yaakov looked at Yosef and saw the future of Torah study. So he was happy about that, which, which, implies, uh, which implies that the other brothers were not so into learning Torah. Vasalok tonet pasin. The end of that posuk, right? Vasalok tonet pasin. Eresh lokish v'shem rabbi loza ben azaria amar. Sarich Adam Shelolishanot Ben Mibanav Shal Yede Ketonet Pasim Shasav Vinu Yaakov Yosef Vayisnu Oto. So here it is. It's in the Medrash. It's right there. Yaakov just didn't play it correctly. <coughs> Yaakov made a mistake, at least according to, <coughs> according to Rav Nechemia. Yosef, I'm sorry, Rabbi Lozo ben Azariah said, You should not distinguish one son amongst your sons. Don't go around saying, he's the best, he's the good one, he's the one who's really, has to be taken seriously. So, these three, four psukim at the beginning of the parasha of Vayeshev teach us something about proper education and improper education. And it says that the, the, the one who represents the improper educational scheme is none other than Yaakov Avinu. None other than Yaakov Avinu. So if you look at page two, you look at page two, We'll get through these pages going backwards. Masechet Shabbat, Daf Kav Kibbal Ovebet. Masechet Shabbat, you know that Daf Kav, Kav Aleph, Kav Bet, in Masechet Shabbat are the pages that deal with the mitzvot connected to Chanukah. Why there is Chanukah and how we celebrate Chanukah. What do we do on Chanukah? All of that stuff. And how do we do it? And the interesting questions about how do we light the menorah? Do we light it this way or that way? Where do we put the menorah? Where do we look? How do we look at the menorah? All of those questions are dealt with in these three dapim of the, of the Gemara. There is no Mishnah 
There's nothing in the Mishnah that really deals with Hanukkah, even though there is a Mishnah at the end of Baba Kama that mentions Hanukkah, but the laws of Hanukkah, the details of Hanukkah are not dealt with in the Mishnah for some reason, but they are dealt with in the, in the Gemara. Now, in this Gemara, there is the following line. All I need is the line, even though you have, you could sit and learn the Gemara yourselves, right? Omar Avhuna. Haragil Baner. Haragil Baner. Somebody, the word Ragil, the word Ragil is like not an easy word. Even though in modern Hebrew it is an easy word. It means you do something regularly. Right? Regularly. You, you are regular, regularly, regularly connected to the Nair. To the Nair. Now, which Nair are we talking about? There are two possibilities. One is the Nair of Shabbat, and the other is the Nair of Hanukkah. Those are the two Nairot that we know about, and those are the two Nairot that are discussed in this Gemara. But this line, this line, Roma of Huna, Aragil Benair, doesn't distinguish. Now, obviously, Rav Huna, Rav Huna wanted to say something very positive. Having Banim Talmidei Chachamim was a big deal in the time of the Emoraim. I mean, that was what was left. There was nothing else that we had except for the Torah. It was, I mean, it was the most remarkable transformation that happened in history. Do I know all the history of all the peoples of all the times of the world? No. But I would like to say it in an exaggerated way, so I'll say it that way. So what, what happened? What happened? The Jews lost the temple, the Korbanot, the, the Halachot connected to Eretz Yisrael. It was all gone. All gone in a minute, historically speaking. And it was all replaced with Talmud Torah. We became a nation of people that was built upon the idea that you learn Torah. And so when Rav Huna said, if you do such and such, you'll have children who are Talmidei Chachamim, that was a big thing to say. That was a big thing to say. Now if you look at, so let's see what he said. Aragil Bener, Habyan Leibanim Talmidei Chachamim. That's all, that's all we need. That you, that Talmidei Chachamim come from some a family which is Ragil Bener, which is Ragil Bener. Rashi, if you look at the Rashi, it's there. Banim Talmidei Chachamim Dichtiv Kiner Mitzvah Torah. Or, of course, Rashi says, I understand you could connect Torah to Or because it says that in the Pasuk. But of course, you have to understand that Rashi hasn't explained it, he's just justified it. He's saying, okay, I understand what, what Rav Huna said. He must be talking about this pasuk, but doesn't explain it to me. He doesn't explain how it is possible that if you light a candle, your children are going to be Talmidei Chachamim. Rashi, Vaiter and Rashi, you see? Al Yedei Ner Mitzvah the Shabbat Chanukah Bo Ba'ode Torah. So Rashi answers the question. If you thought when you learned the Gemara, you didn't know what the Gemara is talking about, whether Rav Huda is talking about the Ne'er Shabbat or the Ne'er Hanukkah, what does Rashi say? He's talking about both. He's talking about the Ne'er Shabbat and the Ne'er Hanukkah. Now I want you to know that there's a fundamental difference between the Ne'er Shabbat and the Ne'er of Hanukkah. And for that, to understand that, we'll look at Rav Kook. But the fundamental difference between the Nair of Shabbat and the Nair of Hanukkah is that the Nair of Shabbat is about reality. Why is there a candle? Why do we light the candle on Friday night? I don't mean to ask a tough question. And I know everybody has a different idea about why you do it and why women do it and why the number of candles you have to light and it's, it just never ends. But the reason that you light the candle Friday night is because the Chazal wanted us to do the mitzvot of Shabbat on Shabbat and not on Erev Shabbat. What mitzvah is there on Shabbat that for which we need the ner 
of Shabbat, eating. Eating. Now, if you lived in a world where lighting a candle was an expensive option, so you might, especially in the summer, opt to eat the first meal of Shabbat before Shabbat and save the money on, uh, that you might spend on the candles. So Chachovim said, no, you have to light candles. You have to light candles. You have to know how to get from one place to another. You have to know how to serve the food. You have to know how to get to your bedroom. You have to know how to get to wherever you're supposed to be. And that is what we do when we light the candles. We use them. Yes, we use the candles of, that we light on Friday night. Today, sadly, we all have electricity, which kind of makes the candles, it obviates the candles. And so, being the way we are, we kind of think about alternatives, but you have to remember that the principle is always the same. The candles that you light Friday night are practical. They serve a purpose. They're for some good. How about the candles you light on Hanukkah? Hanerot halalu? Kodesh What does that mean? What is Kodesh You can't use them for anything. The Gemara says you can't even count coins by the light of the candles. Counting coins is not like an intensive intellectual activity. It's not like learning a Dath Gemara. Now I know that it's true that candles were a problem also on Shabbat, right? But you could solve those problems. It was a problem of Shabbayate, right? You're not allowed to bend the, the candle so that the oil would go into the wick in a, in a better way. You can't do that. That's a problem of Havara on Shabbat. So the Gemara discusses that. However, the light of the candles on Shabbat is the light of the candles is useful light. It's pragmatic light. It's light that helps me to get from where I am to the next room. That's the, that's the candle of, of Shabbos. But the candle of Hanukkah? We say it, right? Kodesh. Kodesh means I can't use them for any profane act. What's a profane act? Anything. Anything real. Anything real. You say, where is... Where is the cholent? Like if it's Friday night. You can say, oh, it's over by that candle, but not by the Hanukkah candles. You can't use the Hanukkah candles for anything. Right? The Ein Lanu Rishut Lishtameshbahem. That's a remarkable thing. So that it turns out, it turns out that Rav Huna's statement, according to Rashi, has become a little bit more difficult. Because what did Rashi say? Which candles grant you banim talmidei chachamim? Both of them. Both of them. How is that possible? How is both? I mean, after all, we just explained the Neirot of Shabbat, Shabbat a pragmatic, real migushamim, right? They're, they're part of the reality of the... And the Neirot of Hanukkah HaKodesheh. So if the Gemara would have said to me, oh, we'll light Hanukkah candles, you'll have, you'll have outstanding children, i say, okay, Kodesh, Kodesh. But what does Shabbos, the candles of Shabbos, or the mixture of these two things have to do with each other? So look at Rav Cook. You know that Rav Cook wrote a book when he was very young. He was a very young man. Rav Cook wrote a lot. When he was very young, he wrote a commentary. He started writing a commentary on the Agadot of Shas of the non-halachic material in Shas, which uh, he finished Brachot and Shabbat. Brachot and Shabbat, two volumes, two that have a lot of Agadot in them, but that's all he managed to do. It always seemed that when you hear the stories about Rav Kook that he was writing these books while he was doing something else, because he didn't really have time to do all these things. So the, the, all of these things that he wrote were fairly recently collected into a book, and the name of the book was Einaya. Aleph Yudhei Avram Yitzchak HaKohen. Right? So look at what he says. It's not, it's not always so easy to understand what Rav Kook said, so don't let that bother you. Omar Rav Huna, 
Aragil Bener Havyelei Banim Talmidei Chachamim. הדמיונות שבין הציורים המוחשים לדברים הרוחניים הנעלים. So he said Rav Kook had this idea, part of which comes from uh, philosophy and part of which comes from his own insights, that there are, there are uh, demionot. You see that first word? Demionot, the things that you can imagine. Right? We can imagine things. And then he says, "Hatziurim hamuchashim, tziurim muchashim." We can imagine things that are real. Like I close my eyes, I say, "Imagine a table." I can imagine a table, right? Um, I say, "Imagine a chair." Imagine a room. Imagine a room with all your people in it. I could imagine all of those things. Those are called tziurim muchashim. They're real, right? Lidvarim haruchaniim hanaalim. But now, could you imagine something? It's like an interesting question. Can you imagine something that you've never experienced? Can you imagine that? So the philosophers say it this way. Let's say, uh, let's say you wanted to imagine a mermaid. You know what a mermaid is? This is what they say. It's not my fault. You know what a mermaid is? The top half is a woman and the bottom half is a fish. So there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a mermaid. But can you imagine it? Yes. Yeah, you can imagine it. Why can you imagine it? Because you could imagine each half. In other words, you could imagine the woman and you can imagine the fish. So that's not, that's called muhashi. That's real. Even though it doesn't exist. But imagining it is about imagining something that's real. How about imagining the presence of God? Well, that's a little more difficult, which is why idolatry was so pop popular. But imagining the presence of God, imagining the presence of God is a little, a little bit more difficult, but according to Rav Kook, it, uh, it is a talent that we have, and we have to encourage it. It is we can imagine things that we don't have the experience of seeing. Right? That's a, uh, at least, you know, some people might think that that was novel, a novel idea. So let's go back to Rav Kook. So he says, Things that you imagine that are really there. Spiritual, elevated, non-experiential things. A person should not say that that kind of imagining doesn't mean anything. It's just foolishness. It's, it's, it's divine the way we are. We can imagine things that, that exist. And we can imagine things that don't exist. And, and just like there are certain rules of imagination when it comes to real things, you imagine things that you've seen, you imagine things that you know about. There are also rules about the other kind of imagination. He says there are two kinds of light. There are two kinds of light. The light that enables you to see things that are real and the light that enables you to see things that, that you just have some kind of inkling about, but you don't really, don't really see them. He says one of them, one of them is called Or HaMeir, and the other one is called Or HaTorah. Or HaTorah. So now you see that we have, I mean, the, Rav Kook doesn't say it, but we'll say it. We have the Nair of Shabbat, and we have the Nair of Hanukkah. Right? And there's one Friday night, or sometimes two, but there could be a Friday night where these two lights converge in our, in our reality. Right? These two kinds of lights converge. The depths, the darkness of the soul. 
אותו היחס הוא דבר שיש בו כדי לפעול בזה על זה על פי השימוש ביחס זה בדרך הטוב וישר. And these two lights, these two lights can, can influence each other. They can influence each other. In other words, we have the ability to remind ourselves of reality. And we also have the ability to say to ourselves, there's another reality. There's the reality of the creative world, the created world. And there's the reality of the creator of the, of the world. Both of them are represented by light. And we know that the Pasuk says their mitzvah the Torah or. Rav Kook says, Torah or? Which Torah? Which or? What, what is the or of Torah? The or of Torah is the ability to imagine something that doesn't exist really in the created world. So that what the, uh, when I say that God is in the world, what I mean is I know that God is in the world, but not that I can feel that God is in the world. It's this power that we have to imagine things that puts it into the, into the world. So he says, Right, one light on the other. As long as this light is being used in the meaning don't touch it, don't use it in a regular way. That's what, that's what he is saying. And that, that, that light, that light that says God is there, I see that I, I feel the presence of God. Right, that light keeps me on the straight and narrow, and lishmor derech Hashem. And so he gets that word in the Gemara. Baravuna haragil. Somebody who lights that light again and again and again. Regilut bener poelit ba'adam hatchuna. It makes him feel the goodness of that light. And if he doesn't have this regilut, if he doesn't light the Chanak Menorah, every single day or every single night of the eight of the eight days he won't get this feeling he won't get this feeling that there is this other kind of light not the light of gashmiyut the light that lights up reality but the light that produces its own reality you won't you won't get it unless you do it again and again and nothing than the, the hakarava shlabata adam. So we say, even though, even though Rav Kook has not mentioned Hanukkah, I think that we're talking about Hanukkah and Shabbat. I mean, that's what the Gemara is talking about. This is Rav Kook's commentary on the Gemara, right? On this Gemara, the Gemara is Rav Huna said, if you're a gil, if you're a gil, uh, a ragil bener. If you light the candles regularly, Rav Cook says there are two kinds of candles. You have to light both of them, right? You have to light both kinds of candles in order that each should have the ability to influence the other. One candle tells me about, one candle tells me about the created world and the other tells me about the creator of the created world. And the light that comes from these two candles together produce some sort of completeness in, in us, in men and women who are trying to, to do the right thing and act according to, to what the Kodesh Baruch Hu, uh, what the Kodesh Baruch Hu wants of us. So now let's look at the Svas Emes. I, I, just, uh, I just want to say that, that generally there's this question that I always bring up, you know, on Hanukkah, that 
about the, the definition of Pirsume Nisa, which I think is what the Svata Met is talking about. Pirsume Nisa sounds like it's informative. You want to tell people that there was a miracle. But what is it exactly that you tell them? What, 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 do you, what is the point of telling people that there was a miracle on Hanukkah? After all, if a person believes in God, so he probably believes that making eight times as much oil come out of one cruise of oil was not such a big deal for the one who created the world. I mean, it's really kind of a minor, a minor miracle that you're talking about in terms of God's power. God could do anything. I mean, what, a, what, what is the Pirsume Nisa? Now, who is the, it's a today where everybody lights Hanukkah menorahs. I mean, Chabad has moved the Hanukkah menorah into the street and set it up as a, uh, as a kind of giant monument for, uh, for all the Jews, everybody. I mean, I, I mean I, leaving aside the halachic question, uh, whether you should do that or not, which Chabad always manages to do, uh, it's certainly, uh, I don't know what it, uh, do you think people who are not into it learn about the miracle from that? I'm not sure. I mean, I just want to know what the, if we had this question, like, what's the Pirsume Nisa? Who is the Pirsume Nisa for? So let's look at this Svatamet. Look at this Svatamet. Svatamet says, Adoni, Ovi, Skeni, Mori, Rabbi. Right, you know, remember the story. Chidushi Arim, Rabbi Yitzhak, Meir, was the first, his name is Rottenberg. He was the first Gera Rebbe. Right? Here they call it Gur. But when I grew up, they called it Ger. The, the first Ger Rebbe, his name was Yitzchak Meir. He was a Talmud of the Kotzker. Right? The second Ger Rebbe was his grandson, who is known as the Svatamet. The in-between, in-between was the Svatamet's father, who died at a relatively young age, must have been in his 40s, and therefore, his, the grandson became the next Rebbe. I hope this was clear. So there's the Chedushi Arim, and there's the unknown uh, who died, and then the Svatamet. So when the Svatamet quotes Adoni Avi Zikeni, Mori Rabbi, he's talking about the first Ger Rebbe, the Chedushi Arim. He grew up in his grandfather's house. You know, they, he was sort of like his his son after the father after the father died. Amar Masha Mibarchin Shasani Sim Al Riyat Neir Chanukah. So he he puts it that way. He says, Shasa Nisim Labo Seinu by what 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 is that brocha that we make when you say Shaosa Nisim Labo Seinu? I understand. It reminds you somehow of the miracle of the Pach Shemen. But why do we say it? Right? Ki ha'arat ha'nisim heim bahaneirot. Right? That word. Ha'arat alef reish taf. Right? Lighting up. Lighting up miracles. Heim bahaneirot. The neirot, the candles, somehow generate the miracles, light up the miracles, induce us to feel the miracles. That's what we say. That why do why is the Neirot Halalu I'm so if you're a Litvak, if you're a Litvak, you say which we can't use them. That's lit that's the that's the Litvak's goal. <laughs> but if you're a chassid, if you're a chassid, you have to say, and they wrote halalu kodeshem, and they wrote halalu kodeshem. Well, uh, what is there about the neirot that produces pirsumi niso? What about the neirot that makes kodesh? So he says, near e, ki miachar shaya 
הדלקת המנורה בימים אלה על פי נס אף שלא היה שמן לבני ישראל להדליק that again הדלקת המנורה בימים אלו when I light that when I am lighting the menorah it somehow reflects the miracle it's a continuation of the miracle that took place at the time of the Chashmonaim שלא היה שמן לבני ישראל להדליק אם כן גם אתה he says today as well אף שאין לנו מנורה we don't have a menorah I mean, we lower the Beit HaMikdash. B'Shem and Tahor, we don't have that either. No matter what hechsha you get on your oil, we don't have it. Right? Av she'ein lanu menorah b'Shem and Tahor, gam kein shayach hadlaka al pi hanes. He says, he says, the miracle is taking place right now. You're lighting the menorah with that oil, with the oil that was produced by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because, as Rav Kook said, you can imagine it. You can imagine that it is the miraculous oil. And therefore, when you see the miracle, you say, And Bizman Hazeh. What miracle are you doing, Bismanazeh? You're doing the miracle of lighting the candles with the oil that was produced by a Kodesh Bochum. That's what you're doing. And that's what Rav Kook meant to say. I mean, you know, they were contemporaries. Rav Kook and, and the Svatemet. So he says, Gam ki sheyachad lakal pianes, The miracle goes on and on and on. Rak hakli ladlaka hazo hu mitzvat hadlakat ner chanuka. What gets me to do it, just like there was a mitzvah to light the menorah in the Beit HaMikdash when the Chashmonaim took it over, there's a mitzvah to light the ner chanuka today. It's exactly the same. Imagine that. Remember that Rashi. Ner mitzvah v'tora or. Ha-peirush. Ner hu kli l'kabel shemen u-ptila v'or. Right, so that ner, the word ner, refers to the vision of the gashmi, of the practical, of the practical things. Kli. It's a vessel. To, uh, to accept the oil and the wick and the light. That's all the or of Shabbat, really. Kain ha-mitzvot, neged remachai varim, v'yir'avi'ava, ner kakatabatikunim. That's part of the Zohar. V'hu sh'ha-mitzvot chas-heim b'ma'aseh, v'or ha-Torah, and the ma'aseh, this is the addition that he has to what, it's, what we saw with Rav Kook, that, the, that the, the mitzvah is tacked on to the, to the practical. There's a practical aspect. In other words, there's reality, and there's mitzvot that apply to reality, and then that the mitzvot are a bridge to a higher kind of reality that we can imagine, that we can imagine in our, in our minds. Uh, and so he says, V'hu tikun guf evarei ha'adam, okay, v'atorah l'avi dat v'chokhmah la'adam, v'gam l'shon ner chanukah, sh'tiknu chazal v'birkat ha'mitzvah, gam kein kanal, t'lo katav l'adlik ner b'chanukah, but it says, Ladlik, that's the bracha we make. It's not ladlik ner. It's not ladlik neis Chanukah, as he says. He says that though we are performing the miracle of of lighting the Chanukah menorah, we're, prefer, we're, we're performing that miracle. So, uh, 
He says, that's why the brocha, the brocha, the brocha, the brocha, the brocha, the not to the higher form of Hadlaka, because the mitzvah is what brings us to the higher form of reality, which is to be able to imagine God doing the, the, the miracle or making the miracle happening and our participation, our participation in the miracle, which is the only good reason for lighting the Hanukkah, for lighting the Hanukkah, uh, Hanukkah menorah. So I would say this. I would say this, Yaakov, Yaakov looks like he made a big mistake. He preferred one son and he sort of gave the other children the idea that uh, they were being rejected, that they were not as, uh, he was not as happy with them as he was with Yosef. And in order to express the happiness that he had with Yosef, he gave Yosef a present which distinguished him again. It wasn't a regular coat. It wasn't the kind of coat that everybody had. But it was something special, something that only Yosef had. There was this special, this special idea of, of Yosef. We know that in the, in the Kabbalistic lore and... Uh, we know that uh, Yaakov, Yaakov equals Emet, right? And Emet equals Torah. And Emet equals Torah. And when you say that there's a, a collusion between Emet and Torah, what you mean is, what you mean is that while Emet is not generally imaginable in in reality, like you know that uh, a Beit Din, a Beit Din that has to decide, guilty or innocent. Well, the Beit Din doesn't really know. The Beit Din doesn't really know. So what if two witnesses come and they say Ruben killed Shimon? If two witnesses come and so, so they could, the two witnesses could be in collusion. We know that from the Dinim of Edim Zomimim. Edim Zomimim means that it's quite possible that Ruvain and the two witnesses will say that Ruvain did something and he never did it. That's what we learned from Adim Zolomim. So how could the Beit Din ever make, ever make a decision about anything? Well, the answer is that the Torah says, Al Yakum That's what the Torah says. That two witnesses come to the Beit Din they provide the truth for the Beit Din. How is that? I don't know. It's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised us that the Beit Din would be able to paskin alpi shnaim edim. But the emet, true knowledge, true knowledge which Yaakov Avinu possessed because he studied in the yeshiva of Shem is not only about doing things, but it's about knowing the truth. And it was important for Yaakov to emphasize the fact that unlike Esau, his brother, who did mitzvot in order to fool his father, right, you remember, it was just last week, Right, he would uh, he'd ask him questions, supposed shyness about what brachot you make when you eat salt or something, something like that, and and so he knew, he, he, uh, he Yaakov knew that if you didn't have a connection to the truth, you could even mess up doing the mitzvahs. So it was a critical question. It wasn't that Yaakov liked Yosef more than he liked his other sons. It was that Yaakov was thinking of a way of saving them because they were not really connected to the Torah. They were not really connected to the Torah. They did Torah things. They did what the mitzvot asked for, but they were not able to imagine through the light of the Torah the presence of a Kodesh Baruch. And that's why they thought when they were far away, they had taken the sheep to wherever they taken them, that if they killed, if they killed Yosef, nobody would know. What do you mean nobody would know? 
wouldn't God know? I mean, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be impossible for somebody who believes that God knows to do what the brothers did? So Yaakov was, in a way, was justified because the brothers the brothers did not accept the idea of Yerushalayim means. You know, I was always say this. They say Latakum, Vadarta Zakain, So now that I'm in that category, when I get on a bus, when I get on a bus, so you can see. So there, there's like a like a, a very serious, studious-looking guy looking at his Gemara, sitting in his seat, and not getting up. So you don't know. You don't know. Maybe he's like so engrossed in the Gemara, he doesn't see anybody else on the bus. Or maybe he does see anybody else or somebody else on the bus doesn't want to get up. So he's like stick his nose into the into, into his Gemara. So the end of the Pasuk, the end of the Pasuk is Vyoresobelokecho and the Hashem, that that the the motivator, the thing that motivates me to do the mitzvahs as well as I can is Yoresobelokecho. One of I'll say one of the things. I take that back. One of the things that motivates me. To do the mitzvahs properly is Yoresa Melokecha. So that Yoresa Melokecha, they didn't have that, the brothers. They didn't have that Yoresa Melokecha. And that was what bothered Yaakov. That's why Yaakov wanted to, what he wanted to change in them. And the way he changed it, he wanted to change it, he said, look, Yosef, he's got it. He knows what's going on. He understands what he has to do. I tell Yosef, I tell Yosef, go run after your brothers and the sheep and, and find them and, and, and send them my regards. And he goes. He goes because he knows that he is being controlled in this story by the will of, by the will of God. And so the emet, we learned from this Gemara that the emet uh, of, uh, of, of Torah is found in light. And the light itself is divisible into two the light of the pragmatic world and the light of the, of the spiritual world. And they affect each other, as Rav Kook, as Rav Kook said. And the Swat Emet looked at it and he said, you know, we're, we're still doing it. We're doing the miracle. We're doing the miracle of Hanukkah. We are doing it. Right? And by Amima Hemba Pazman Hazer. Pazman Hazer means either this time of the year, calendar time, or it means right now. Right now. And then we say Haneros Halolo Kodesh which means, which means that the light that, uh, that changes reality into the spirit of things, the presence of God, the Yoreso Belokecho, that light exists in the Hanukkah candles. And so on Friday night of Hanukkah, on Friday night of Hanukkah, we light both candles. We light the candles of, of the real world, that's the Shabbos candles, and we light the candles of the uh, spiritual world, the candles of, of Hanukkah. These candles are to be used, Right, the Shabbos candles are for a purpose to be used. They're they're important for us. And the Hanukkah candles are kodesh. Hey, stay away from them. Don't use them. Just use them to help you imagine that you're staying in the presence of God. And that was the story of Yaakov. That's the story of Yaakov and Yosef. Okay, have a good Shabbos.